following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Are there unresolved charges pending against your life in the heavenly realm? Are there pending charges? Does God have a case against you? Now, most of us just shove aside any discomfort we may have a little bit of time erases and we forget about it and we go on down the road someone can say something to us that makes us angry or or feel bad and we'll forget it just push it away and go on down the road unresolved the difficulty is God has a very long memory. And if there are unresolved charges filed against you in the heavenly realm, you're in trouble because God won't forget those. Now, this story of of Hosea, it was a very personal story intimate story for Hosea he's told to go marry this woman who is 
basically a prostitute, an unclean woman. He's told to go marry her, and he has children by her, and then she leaves him. I don't know, they may have had a fight, I don't know what happened, but she left. And the Lord said to him, Now go again and show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. So God is saying, Go back and find Gomer, restore her as your wife, and pay the bride price again. And in this case, it's 15 shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. It's costing. Jose is having to expend money to buy this woman back. And he said to her, you must live with me many days. Don't be promiscuous or belong to any other man and I will act the same way toward you. Now, this whole story is really not about Gomer. It's really not about Jose. It's really about God. It's the story most tragic of God's divorcing Israel. God divorces Israel. Now, we take so flippantly what we think we know and what we think we believe. So many times I've asked people, are you saved? Oh, yes, I'm saved. (laughs) Then I ask them, what do you save from and what do you save to? Well, I'm saved from hell. I'm on my way to heaven. What evidence do you have that you're on your way to heaven? Do you grumble like other men? Do you complain? Do you undercut? Tell me. How does God feel about grumbling? We've shown you in the book of Hosea that grumbling is a sign of resistance in my heart toward the Almighty God. Resistance toward God. All grumbling is resistance toward God. I'm upset that I can't have life my way. I want it my way. I'm determined to make it my way. And when it doesn't happen, then I begin to grumble. Well, the case against Israel is very serious. Let me read the legal statement of the case. This is found in Hosea, the fourth chapter. Hear the word of the Lord, people of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Now he begins to go step by step. There is no truth. There's no faithful love. No knowledge of God. Cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery are rampant. One act of bloodshed follows another. For this reason the land mourns and everyone who lives in it languishes. And then he goes on to talk about how the birds of the air and the animals are dying, the fish of the sea are dying because of the sin of God's people. And then he says, but let no one dispute. This is verse 4. Let no one argue, for my case is against you priests. You will stumble by day, 
the prophet will also stumble, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that, we usually stop right there and say, yes, we need to get more knowledge. Please note, that's not what it's saying. Let me read the whole verse. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. So it's not an absence of knowledge. It's choosing to refuse the knowledge that has been given by divine revelation. Now he goes on with warnings telling them why he's going to leave them speaking very frankly to them and then finally he says this is chapter 5 verse 13 when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound Ephraim went to Assyria and sent a delegation to the great king. But he cannot cure you or heal your wound. So Israel, when pushed to the wall by God's judgments, sees how sick he is, sees the financial condition of the country, He says, the answer is to be found in Assyria. And so he literally sent a delegation to the Assyrian king. And of course, the Assyrians are the ones that came not long after this and captured the whole land and carried Israel off into captivity. Chapter 6 Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, and he will heal us. He has wounded us, and he will bind up our wounds. He will revive us after two days, and on the third day he will raise us up, so we can live in his presence. Now, let's stop a minute. Do you believe that God wounds? Do you believe that God tears you, brings destruction upon you? I know it's true. If we were to go just for a minute over to the book of Hebrews, let me read this for you. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. In struggling against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son... Do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you are reproved by him for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons for what son is there that the father does not discipline But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace 
and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and your weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Let's consider this. According to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, God will discipline us. Literally, in the Greek, the word is flog, whip. God will whip us. So, of course, I've got to stop for just a moment and say, are you under God's discipline? Would you recognize the discipline if it came from God? Well, what Hebrews is saying is that literally every area of suffering in your life you are to consider as discipline from God. Discipline from God. Now, if you rail against that discipline, you're angry and you're bitter and you cast it off, then the discipline had no value for you. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. We have all been disciplined by God. But many times in my life, I did not recognize that it was God who was disciplining me. Oh, the devil may have made it happen. But God's the one in charge. So literally, whatever suffering comes into my life, I'm to consider it as a gift from Jesus. I'm to consider it as training, as equipping that will bring forth holiness. So if you're in a job that you hate and you rail against it and you complain and you're bitter, you are rejecting the discipline of God in your life. It's not safe to, dis- to, to not receive the discipline of God. He has a case against us as sons and daughters of Adam. And as sons and daughters of Adam, we have sinned against him. The case is not withdrawn against us simply because we've said a little sinner's prayer. Any more than we would say it has any meaning to say, now I lay me down to sleep. No, this is not this is not childish stuff. This is serious. Hosea says in chapter six, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us. If you don't if you don't see and feel and understand that what's happening in your life is the tearing of God then you will not ever say, come, let's return to the Lord. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. In other words, if if you consider as non-important the tearing in your life, the wounds of your life, These are the very things that bring forth holiness in your life. And without holiness, no man can see the Lord. Righteousness in our lives always will flow out of suffering. It says he will bind up our wounds. He will revive us after two days. And on the third day, he will raise us up so we can live in his presence Let us strive to know the Lord. 
his appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like rain, like the spring showers that water the land. So, please understand, as God is in the midst of divorcing Israel, he tears them. And they go to Assyria. He wounds them by taking away from them their prosperity. And they respond to this by sending a delegation to the king of Assyria. Not by getting on their faces and repenting before God and seeking the fullness of Almighty God in their hearts and in their lives. They don't do that. Instead, they're defensive. They go to the world, the flesh, the devil. There's no healing there. It resulted in Israel being swept away by the Assyrians. Now, Hosea gives us the lament of the Lord. One and two. Let me share what these charges are. But it's more than a charge. It's God is heartbroken. He's heartbroken. A divorce is filthy business. A divorce is heartrending. A divorce is the tearing up of covenant, the destruction of dreams and hopes and goals, and it destroys finances. It divorce moves like a terrible tornado through the lives of God's people. (coughs) So here's the first lament. Hosea, the sixth chapter, verse four. What am I going to do with you, Ephraim? What am I going to do with you, Judah? Your loyalty is like the morning mist and the early dew that vanishes. Verse 6, For I desire loyalty, not sacrifice, and knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But like Adam, they violated the covenant. They have betrayed me. Loyalty is very big with God. When you face hard times, when you're wounded or torn, and in the bitterness of your heart, you turn aside from the living God of heaven, you cause God to have a lament against you. A charge of great sadness, of heartbrokenness. He desires loyalty. He's not interested in all of the sacrificial rituals. Those are not first on the heart of God. Burn offerings are those are not first on the heart of God. First on the heart of God is absolute loyalty and then a true understanding of God's ways remember we've talked about some of God's ways in this book of Hosea one of the most powerful of his ways is that when a person is in rebellion against the Lord He begins to block up your way. Now, a pagan, he's not going to block up their way. He's going to let them go right on down the road. But someone who says they belong to Jesus, and they begin to rebel and turn against him, he's going to block up your way. You're not going to find that job. 
finances are going to get very tight. It says, she will pursue her lovers, but not catch them. She will seek them, but not find them. And then she'll think, okay, I'll go back to my former husband. One young man who's in sales. It's been very interesting. He has very strong expectations for what God should do for him. And when God doesn't do for him what he thinks God should do, he's very angry and then begins to talk about, okay, I'm not going to serve Jesus anymore. And he heads off to some wicked and sinful place. And what God has done most interesting he's taken away all of his sales every time he gets in this attitude of turning away from God God simply steps in and removes all of his sales so he ends the month on zero and was actually put on probation because he had no sales when he repents and he goes back to the Lord. Suddenly the sales begin to happen again. The deals start coming in. And he bounces up to the top of the pack. And he's now recognizing that one of the ways of God is that God will play takeaway with you. He'll play takeaway. This was one of the most effective means for disciplining my daughters many years ago when they were small and in the house. I would simply take away from them as discipline. And they very quickly learned that if they didn't want to lose their precious possessions, they needed to obey. takeaway can be very effective and God uses it now another thing that God will use another of his ways spoken of here in the book of Hosea is found in the third chapter where he says Israel must live many days without king or prince without sacrifice or sacred pillar without ephod or household idols In other words, another way of God is that he withdraws. And we feel the absence of God. Now, we we either continue on until we no longer even recognize that God is not with us, or our heart grows lonely for him. And we begin to search with all of our hearts to find our God. But the thing that will turn God away more quickly than any other single thing you can do is to be disloyal to him. To put the affairs of your life ahead of the affairs of God. To turn aside to say, if this is how God's going to treat me, I'm out of here. This is not how God wants us to operate. So this first charge, this first lament, is of a God who is heartbroken because they have not been loyal to him. The second lament is found in chapter 7. Verse 13, Woe to them, for they fled from me. Destruction to them, for they rebelled against me. Though I want to redeem them, they speak lies against me. They do not cry to me from their hearts, rather they wail on their beds. They slash themselves for grain and new wine. In other words, they beat themselves up to go make a dollar. But they won't come back and cry out to me and let me deliver them. 
Some of you today are in very, very difficult financial situations. Those financial situations may have come about by your own poor judgment or perhaps nothing that you did. Your company may have laid you off, may have closed down a division, and now you're left without that income, and you're saying, what do I do? You return to the Lord. You return to the Lord. You cry out to him. You cry out to the Lord God of heaven. You do not turn to the Assyrian king. See, part of what we really have to talk about is this Gomer spirit. What's the Gomer spirit? The Gomer spirit is a spirit of prostitution. It's a spirit of, I'm going to go grab and growl whatever I need to grab. I'm going to use people. I'll use things. I'll do whatever I have to do to get ahead in my life. If my husband doesn't do what I want him to do, then I'm going to leave him. If my wife doesn't please me, I go find somebody else. It's this it's this disloyalty. And then the second lament or charge by God is that when I went to find them, they ran from me. They didn't want me to find them. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are hiding from God. Always in Scripture, it's, it's God who's coming searching for the love of his heart. <coughs> it's God coming and searching for us. This is such a glorious truth, and it causes my heart to just spring up in love and joy. For God is coming to look for me. Always God is coming and searching after his children because he cares for us. He's passionate about us. So God is heartbroken that as he comes and looks for his children of Israel, they've gone to the king of Assyria. They've run away from him. They don't want him. They've insulted God. Now, if we go to the 11th chapter of Hosea, God begins to reminisce. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Verse 3, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them in my arms. But they never knew that I, that I healed them. I led them with human cords, with, with ropes of love. And finally, in verse 8, he, he says, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, Israel? God's heart is breaking. So, I've got to ask you, please. Does God have unresolved charges against you in the heavenly realm? Are you just tooling through life 
charging. You're in charge of your life and you're doing what you have to do and you're doing the best you can do. And Really? Where's God in your life? Do you acknowledge the presence of God or are you disloyal to him? Do you run away from him when he disciplines you or do you come closer to him? Does suffering drive you from the presence of God and you begin to accuse him and say, how could God let this happen? Do you test God? Do you say, is God among us or not? Is he going to show up or not? Can I trust God? Disloyalty. In it for myself. In it for what I can get. Not because I love the Lord God of heaven. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And he talks about teaching Ephraim how to walk like a proud parent. He was there when Ephraim took his first steps. And he says, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, Israel? Is God about to give you up? It was God who taught you how to walk. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who came and poured out his life on Calvary. He poured out his love. The cross is the greatest demonstration of God's love in all of the history of mankind. Chapter 12, Jacob struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with him. Yahweh is the God of hosts. Yahweh is his name, but you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and always put your hope in God. So I ask you today, does God have charges against you in the heavenly realm? He loves you. He taught you how to walk. But have you struggled with God like Jacob did? And have you prevailed? Have you broken through? Or are you just coasting on down the road, hoping something will change someday, just enduring Have you considered struggling with God and praying through and getting an answer and knowing what God has promised? For we participate in the divine nature through the promises of God. Do you have promises that you are standing on that are active and alive in your spirit? Or have you been disloyal to God and you've gone to the Assyrians and you're looking to your boss or you're looking to somebody else? Have you run away from God? Are you cynical? Angry? Are you ready to seek the Lord with all your heart? To return to your God? What is your spiritual condition today? Israel, return to your God.
for you have stumbled in your sin. Take words of repentance with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all of our sin and accept what is good so that we may repay you with praise from our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses. And we will no longer proclaim our gods to the work of our hands. For the fatherless receives compassion in you. Look, the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in the ways of the Lord. But the rebellious stumble. The rebellious stumble. Are you stumbling today? Or is your absolute faith and confidence found in Jesus Christ? Are you walking free of all sin? Have you made that ultimate sacrificial consecration of your life to Jesus? Where you've held nothing back. Where Jesus has come in power to your heart. And you've said, okay. Okay, Jesus. I will return to you. Have you confessed your sin before God? And are you ready today to turn away from that sin? It seems that almost everyone I speak with, I say to them, are you walking clean with Jesus? Well, not really. Why? Well, I have some issues that I haven't resolved yet. I have some issues I haven't resolved yet. Interpreted, that means I have some favorite sins that I don't want to let go of. I have some favorite attitudes of bitterness and anger and judgment I don't want to let go of. They're enjoyable to me. Do you know the joy of walking in Jesus? Completely clean, washed by his blood, restored to his presence. And now things come in the midst of the day that are painful or difficult and you're free to just simply raise your hands and worship Jesus and say, Lord, I trust you. My eyes are upon you. Direct my steps. Order my path. I'm only going to look to you as my deliverer. Where are you walking today with Jesus? Do you have those favorite sins that you're holding on to? I ask people, how long do you want to hold on to that favorite sin? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Do you think that you can hold on to your favorite sin and have Jesus too? No. It doesn't work that way, my brother, my sister. That's not how Jesus works. He wants entire, total consecration. He's calling us there. Now, this very painful story that we've been talking about in Hosea, it's the story of God divorcing his people. Has God divorced you? 
Are you concerned that he might divorce you? Or have you believed the lie that you can live any way you choose and God will just love you unconditionally? You know, I want the truth. I want the truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That is, the rays of the light are shining forth from the glorious presentation of God on the cross. The glory of God is shining on this world. Now, as that light comes into you, Do you run from it, or do you run to it? Do you run from it, or do you run to it? Are you willing to say, no matter what, I want Jesus and all that he has for me? It's hard for me to talk about this because I deal with so many people who they want their life in Jesus too. They want their little Christian deal and they want Jesus too. They want their worldly church. They want Jesus too. They don't see the impossibility of this so today we're almost out of time may I pray with you Lord Jesus I ask please that you would not divorce your people today I plead that not one who has listened to this broadcast will turn their heart aside and say, I've had it, I've gone as far as I can go. Lord, remove that wicked spirit from our hearts. Lord, we are subjects of yours. We are your family. You claim us as your own. So, Lord, I plead today that you would turn the heart of every person listening to this broadcast, you would turn their heart toward heaven. That, Lord, we would stop clinging to our disloyalty or stop running from you Oh, Lord, please come with power. Awaken our hearts. Quicken our spirits. We cast off all discouragement, all despair, all disobedience. We come and ask you, Oh, Jesus, would you do your work of grace in our hearts? Lord, thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We come to the end of the month, and we're still about $800 short for this month. I'm hesitant to do 
uh, an offertory day. I'm standing by faith that the Lord is going to send every every dollar, every dime we need to pay the, the rest of this radio broadcast bill. I ask, would you pray with me? Would you pray for this broadcast? Would you stand with me? This message of holiness and repentance, it brings life to our hearts. So thank you, each one of you who has participated, who's given this month, and thank you for what you're going to do to finish off this month. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, I invite you also to go to our webpage. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find podcasts. You'll find videos. You'll find many resources that will help you as you dig deep into your life in the school of the Holy Spirit. So I invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And I invite you also to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. We meet every Tuesday evening in the conference room of the All Saints Anglican Church. And then on Sundays, we meet around on the back side of the church. It's a double glass doors, ground level, to the lower lobby. Uh, go in those doors and you'll find the Prayer Chapel Worship Center immediately on your left. Now, the All Saints Anglican Church is located at 14851 Gideon Drive. That's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Well, that concludes our study in the book of Hosea. I pray that there are no outstanding charges against you in the heavenlies and that God is not divorcing you but calling you to himself. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.